Welcome to RPG Ramblings with Jeff Jones. This is a weekly show exploring the various details of the tabletop RPG hobby through discussions with interesting people. Mark Finn joins me this week, and we discuss a variety of topics. This episode is a smorgasbord of content, so there's something for everyone, including Uncle Bob. Sisters and brothers, it's time to grab a plate and get rambling. Hello, Mark. Hey, how you doing? I am doing quite well. You look rather festive today. I feel rather festive. <laughs> I, I'm always a Grinch right up until the Christmas shopping is done. And then suddenly my heart is light and I'm yes. full of cheer. Uh, I'm not sure what the corollary is, but, you know, I'm sh- there is one. Yeah, you, you know, I've never I've seen Santa hats and I've seen leopard skin, but I don't think I've ever seen a leopard skin Santa hat before. I, uh, I, I like to rock it vintage, you know, okay. whenever possible. So, yeah. So, so I'm assuming that no leopards were harmed in the making of that hat. No, nor <laughs> hipsters. No hipsters were harmed either. Uh, uh, we should have, we, we could have chased one down, but we didn't. So yeah, yeah, that hipster, that hipster, uh, his day was uh, saved just because you just didn't want to put forth the effort. That's right. That's right. <laughs> They're too young and skinny. You too I looked at him and went, whatever. <laughs> So we are hitting the, uh, well, I don't know when I'm going to drop this. So we, you and me, in the, in the past, as opposed to people listening to it in the future, we're, 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 we're barreling down towards Christmas. Yes. And uh, I, think, I think for everybody, well, I should say everybody, it's me making generalizations, uh, gaming's been kind of odd. <laughs> to say the least. And so why don't we just kind of briefly, since we're, we're just doing a potpourri, I guess I'll call this the, uh, uh, tell us something about potpourri. Yes. Uh, maybe, maybe it's potpourri and, and leopard skin Santa hats. I don't know. <laughs> right. It's a Christmas medley. So, <laughs> so, um, so what's your gaming situation? Like what's, what's been on the scene? I mean, you've, you've, you know, I follow your, your, um, Actually, I think I need to put that in the show notes. You've got a um, a, a Substack. Yeah, Substack now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, for the North Texas Apocalypse Bunker. Yes, and if, and I'm not just saying this because Mark's here uh, staring at me, but you really need to read that. Get on board. Subscribe because every word is fun to read. Oh, um, I uh, I'm not doing much right now. I'm running uh, an extended playtest session for. Uh, the polite society book I'm working on. Um, Is that five E? Yeah, it's going to be five E based. But honestly, I it, looking through it, there's not going to be a lot of five um, E specific things in the heist maker. The heist generator itself is pretty system neutral. So, uh, if you have any experience with taking five E stuff and making it old school this whole book will be awesome, but the heist generator in particular. So I'm running it pretty much final draft as, as it goes and uh, having a ball with it. Really. I've recorded a few of the sessions and I'm going to use those as I'm going to do some snippets of them for samples of how the game works. And, uh, I've, and of course I'm going to uh, essentially um, I'm going to roll up at least one or two heists on camera in real time so people can see how the how the whole thing plays out but the we're having a ball with the with the game itself how many Uh, players have you got i've got three right now and uh there's there's room for one more but uh 
I think what I'm probably going to do after this is just send uh, the, the, the finished uh, draft rules out to some groups that I know and say, you know, break it, take it, so take you, it are apart. Are you running this remotely or are you running it in person? I'm zooming it. Yep. Uh, which is the, the thing we all do now. So, but, but the, the additional uh, caveat being that they're all people in different cities and states anyway. So I would have loved to have everybody here, but not necessarily feasible at this time. So. Well, um, I've been running a Coriolis game and yeah, pardon. How's that going? Um, it's going okay. I think that I'm the, I'm one of the limiting factors. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's been going okay. It's been going good. People are having fun. Uh, I can talk about because none of the people that are in the game listen to the podcast. So I, I can talk about hey. it. <laughs> and so one of the people that was on it, I asked me he wanted to join. He asked me what I thought. And I said, I, it's pretty good. And, and it's going okay. And he said uh, his, his, probably his beef with the game, he didn't really state it this way. I think was that, you know, in one ways, I think he was kind of going in it being a, a more serious sci-fi game. And then it's a, but it's actually turned into a, like a, a lovable, I can't really put it like a, a this is how I find these is, is quite, I probably won't be able to pull up real quick. Uh, not quick enough uh, to make it worthwhile, but basically a lovable band of, of villains versus a, you know, a serious heist. So I think, um, and that's kind of interesting too, is he wasn't necessarily complaining, complaining, but you know, the tone of the game really, uh, you know, people do come with different for expectations, different tones. Yeah, it, it's a uh, it, sci-fi is one of those big umbrellas, you know, and uh, if the success of, of Mothership and the relaunch of Traveler, you know, it's kind of been any indicator of that and, and also stars without number, you know, everybody's wanting some of that classic vintage stuff, but there's a there's a ton of quirky sci-fi stuff out there as well that's, you know. There, there really is almost every flavor at this point. I can't think of a, I can't think of a, a subgenre of science fiction that you can't get on a tabletop somewhere. Yeah, but I think what's happening is, at least in this particular situation, it goes back to fantasy. Is it goes back to I think the fantasy or the science fiction or whatever is the genre that you consume tends to influence. Right. I think or what people consume tends to influence the kind of games they want to play. Totally. Yes. I, I, it's, it's always nice when you find uh, gamers who are willing to experiment and try new games and, you know, they want to get out of their comfort zone, but most people, and this is, this sounds like a dig, but it's really not because uh, it, it, it's, I'm talking about readers and people who watch a lot of TV. They don't really want something new. They kind of want the same thing over and over again. And, and, it, and, it, and again, no judgments on any of that. You know, I, I, I understand. I, I sold books for, you know, years and years and got really good at recognizing when somebody was wanting something different and when somebody just wanted the next book in the series. And so, you know, uh, you know, gaming isn't any different than that, frankly, you know, it isn't, it Mm -hmm. isn't. And I think the thing too, it's like, really, I think it, and, and, okay. So what I will say is the group that I game with, everybody's great. There's everybody's, everybody's fun. 
mm-hmm. but it, all it takes is really one or two people to just kind of be less less serious, and the whole game is less serious. Right. You you yeah. you pretty much everybody's got to be like you know this is, and not that the, everything just is kooky, but it's just it's definitely not the expanse. Yeah. Style game. Yeah. Yeah. I I I I, I for years. Uh, uh, and, and even now I curate my, my players, you know, I, I choose who I want to play with, uh, for, for that very reason, you right. know, and I'm always in awe of people who say, yeah, we just grabbed four people and started playing. I'm like, wow, really? Cause that just feels like anarchy to me, you know, uh, <laughs> I've done that. <laughs> I, well, and you know, it's certainly for convention play. It's a, it's the only way to do it, right? You're, you know, you're limited by who signs up, but you know, and I think the, the difference is with convention play, you know, you're, you're bringing six characters to the table and you guys choose among these, but anytime I've tried to do that with a campaign and had people in it that I didn't know, or hadn't had a conversation with prior to this, there's always like, you know, one person who, you know, Okay, so we're all being a barbarian tribe, and you're all going to be different types of barbarian peoples, uh, and you're going to be a barbarian shaman, and you're going to be a skirmisher, and you're going to be a scout, and uh, and you're going to be uh, a barbarian rogue, and uh, and what do you what do you got over there? I'm a half bat. <laughs> I know ice magic. What? What am I? No. <laughs> But I only want to play this character. Oh, this is great. I'm excited. How this goes, this just suddenly became Dungeons and Dragons cartoon from the 1980s. You're okay, uni. So, you know, this is interesting because, you know, this is interesting because this is bringing up stuff because we're rambling because we didn't have any of this planned, but it's, it's bringing some stuff up. As we do. I have I've had situations where I've had a, a sci fi game and there's a a particular person that wants to play something cute that everybody hates with a passion. I, yeah, I know. And, and they're not trying to be that, but it's like, it's either not fitting or nobody wants an Ewok in a star Wars game. Right. They right. just don't want any character being an Ewok. It's like, no, but I love the Ewok. <laughs> they're my favorite part of star Wars. How did you get star Wars then? And I, I think it's, it's interesting. If you think about it, it's like there's there's like two sides to this. You know, you think about you know, at the table, there's one side where we try and be like open and encouraging right. to other people. Right. But yet there's still a responsibility, I think, on the other side. It's like and I can understand some people are being jerks, you know, but but sometimes it's like if it's not really fitting what everybody else is wanting to play, maybe not right. go that direction. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if everybody, if the whole gang is like, let's do Ewoks. All right, not quite the Star Wars experience I was hoping to, to throw at you, but, you know, if everybody's Ewoks, then then it's a very different kind of adventure. And I don't mind doing it as long as everybody at the table is having a good time. Yeah, if but, that's everybody's signed up for. And but I, yeah, I, I, I see it in anime a lot. There's, there's, a, there's always that one left of center anime character. And, you know, I want to play that quirky you know oh and, well, and one person they played a, another one was a creature is a sci-fi and the, the creature was a primitive mm, okay yeah okay now like at that point like 
no use of technology. Right. <laughs> right. You're you're in a spacefaring game. Yeah. Yeah. You can't be in Iocean on the USS Enterprise. Yeah, you know, so. you just can't. You know, I don't I no matter how cool that may be, that's only one episode of Star Trek. Yes. You, that you can't tease that into a a thing. So Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's what's hard. And I'm as a GM, I tend to be more I try to be accommodating to what people want. Right. And I try not to be the guy that says no, 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 unless it's an obvious no. But I do I do have to sometimes, especially for certain sure. younger people I've I've had to game with. It's like, no, we're not <laughs> And and you know, whoever came up with the with calling it session zero, right? Uh, I, I'm not sure who originated the official term. You know, we used to just sit down ahead of time and talk about what we want to play. Now it's called session zero. I think that's brilliant. I love that idea because then you can get those ideas out onto the table, you know, right away. And then everybody, everybody else can go. You're not surprising somebody with a full character sheet, right? Uh, you, you can let everybody know, okay, so the tone of this is going to be this. And then when the one person says, can I be a unicorn? You cannot be a unicorn <laughs> unless you want to be a unicorn that feels death in human form, you know, and then <laughs> they go, I can work with that. <laughs> okay. Then now we're playing a game. So yeah, that's the going forward. That's really the way to do it. The last one of the, uh, not polite society things, but the last basic game I did, I gave my, my group, here's five different, world area starting points and the political stuff going on and the possible adventures around it and you guys sit down and pick which one sounds the best play and out because i'm ready to go with all five of those so whichever one you like we'll do that one and so what they came back with they said well none of us could pick out a first choice but our second choice everyone's <laughs> second choice was eldritch piracy and i'm like eldritch piracy it is Okay, then. And so that's what we ran with. And uh, and doing that made just, I mean, everything sang. The characters all worked together. They were friends right out of the gate. It just it just avoided so much of the awkward uh, you, uh, er, um, stuff that, that you get in, in, especially early on in those. So, yeah. Well, I find it interesting for Coriolis, what I've done is I generate so they just chose to be agents. So what I did was they wanted me just to sign them jobs. Right. Which it's like, I didn't really quite want to do that. So what I ended up doing is basically made them like, I guess like the A team, okay. whatever, or leverage or whatever, where, but what I did is they had a handler and they would have a choice of jobs they could do. Right. But I also find it interesting is that once they had a choice, cause I tried to vary it. So I would throw in a couple that were more of the agent off the agent list, random generated, maybe one off of a mercenary, and then a couple off of the merchant. Oh, cool. And so you could combine them. So you could say, you know what? Right. Delivery needs to be made to this planet or to this system. There's also a potential to pick up this other job in the system after, you know, so they could kind of look at the map and kind of pick and choose and kind of create a plan. But it just surprises me that the the types of missions that they chose tend to be different than the ones I would have done if I would have picked because they weren't really exactly the ones that sounded like they were saying they wanted, like what they really wanted, what they really chose or what they, what they said they wanted, what they chose 
kind of was a little different. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, in that there's a there's there's surely some sort of axiom about uh, players' expectations versus GM planning. I mean, you know, oh, not sure exactly how that goes, but you know. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been dealing with that lately. Yeah. You're like, well, instead of going this way, we could go all the way around to this other thing. I'm like, you could. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not stop saying right no. here. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's exactly it. Instead of yeah. going from to California across the U.S., we'll just go around the globe. That's right. Like, I, I didn't see that coming. Nope. It's not a bad idea, but I never saw that coming. <laughs> now I've got to go research bearing straight. Yeah. <laughs> So, anyhow, and then this other one where I, they're, they're supposed to kidnap a person. They are not combat people, but they mm-hmm. chose to try and try and hijack the other ship. You know, uh, mid system. Oh wow! It's like wow, I wasn't expecting that. So, okay. So anyway, uh, so but what's but but anyway, I mean, I, the problem is with I noticed with games is sometimes I vary with the number of people. So there's a game called Free League also has a game called Forbidden Lands. So Forbidden Lands is I think the setting isn't great. I don't like it. But it is a is a genius hex crawl. Oh, okay, cool. And it's very much a I'll say a West Marches it can be kind of a West Marches kind of game. Yeah. Yeah. It, and so what I thought about doing then is maybe we may not have enough people if they want to do a direct assault. Maybe we'll just also start up a Forbidden Lands game we could just jump in and out of. Right. But I think what's going to happen is we could run the Forbidden Lands game. They're just going to run Forbidden Lands. Yeah. <laughs> Which is yeah. fine because we've, we've hit probably about 10, ep- 10, 10 uh, 9 or 10. Uh, uh, we only run about 9 or 10 sessions and we're done generally. Yeah. That makes sense. I I used to kind of poo-poo at the idea of there being an adventurer's guild with a board where you could just pick up uh, adventures on. And I was like, this should all connect, and this should all make sense. And more and more, uh, the older I've gotten, the more I look at that and go, bulletin board, index cards, I'm digging it. <laughs> you know, oh, that's good. And so, uh, yeah, I think I think that's a... That's wise, especially in the absence of, you know, having characters with a narrative through line, you know, uh, I, I, I find that with stuff like that, it's better to give them a few just kind of basic adventures and then let a narrative evolve out of those adventures and interacting with people and getting to know folks. And right, because if you're if your group, if the area that they're in is small enough, they are going to make friends and they're going to make enemies absolutely yeah so you, so you can threaten the friends and you can throw enemies back at them that's right that's exactly right yep you got it what's also very interesting because i end up buying uh the foundry virtual tabletop so it's 50 bucks mm-hmm. and forbidden lands really is a it's it's random there's just a lot of random tables and they generate um I don't want to say they're they're not complex, but you know it. There's a fair amount to those tables. Yeah. But when they integrate that into Foundry, it is 
astounding how quickly you can generate stuff. Like, button, zip, here's your encounter. Zip, oh, here's wow. your encounter. And then you can also, and it will make a journal entry. Then you can take that journal entry and you can even drag it onto the map. So you don't even, you can see where it's at on the map. And anytime you see it on the map, you can click it and open it up. No kidding. Oh, it's insane. It's okay. Insane. So, wow. It, what's also interesting about Forbidden Lands is a lot of it is it's exploration, but it's also consumption. So, yeah. did, you ever, did you ever play the One Ring? I didn't. Okay. Well, I didn't either. So, I guess we don't, don't have the reference that I'm going to bring. But there's, there are four cycles, uh, there's four quarters of a day. Mm-hmm. And while you're exploring, there's several things you can do you can scout. Uh, you can uh, you can also be on watch. Mm-hmm. You can look for, you can hunt. And then what you do is each character has a thing that they can do during that time. Right. And all those things have implications. Yeah. And so your your food will could run out, but you can always hunt. But if you fail right. your hunt rolls, you can not get food, and you could also have complications arise. Yeah. Same thing with if you're moving ahead, you need somebody to scout, uh, you're still going to make it. But then if they fail, then something bad could happen. So there's there's in and as a party, you can choose exactly what you're doing yeah. for each quarter and the way they in time progresses because of that. And it's a very neat system. But that's automated in a, in a way where you can just drag your characters to do what thing they're doing into this into this sheet. And then you just click the button and it will roll to do whatever it is that they're doing. And then if they fail, you can still roll what the complication is if they, if they correctly fail. So I think, um, you know, seeing that it, it makes me realize uh, how, how they're able to take, they're not complicated, but lengthy subsystems yeah. and make them into very quick ones online is absolutely astounding. Yeah. I have not. I admit I'd heard of the Foundry uh, and kind of knew sort of what it was, but never really explored it. But now that makes me want to go take a look at it uh, and, and check it out. That sounds really cool. So. Yeah. Now that's just for the Forbidden Lands that they've they they developed. That. Right. Every, everything that they do, anybody can do. There's nothing that, that it's an open source. Everything's ran with macros. Okay. Uh, everything, but so. There's a lot you can do and customize, and that people have already done and customized that you can you can utilize with these modules. So, like with Coriolis, there's a um, so the Coriolis because you know they can, I guess they change the calendar. So they've got instead of twelve months, it's nine months, one for each of the the icons, and each month has thirty seven days, except for one that's thirty eight, right. and then blah 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 blah. They got a calendar app. You can create your own calendar. And keep notes on it just like it was. So you can, which is kind of important because you can say when you arrived, when you've left, when you're due to pay this, and you can keep track of stuff yeah. with a calendar. You can customize it to any system you want. Right. That's kind of cool. That's, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's not that I fear that stuff. It's just that I know there's a learning curve to it. There is. And, I'm, and, I'm, and I kind of, uh, I hate to I hate to sound like the old guy, uh, but I I with my with my limited resources of time, I could either spend it 
clicking through a bunch of stuff and watching tutorials and cutting and pasting and, you know, doing this, or I could be writing a thing, <laughs> you know, and do it theater of the mind and let's get going. So I tend to always default to, I'd rather create content than learn how to manage it. Uh, if I'm, if that's my, if those are my two choices. So, well, but, I think there's two ways of looking at it. Does it, <clears throat> will it make your life? So you're going to be putting time in it. Will you get, we get that much benefit for the time you put in. It's yes or no, right? Right. right. And, and you don't know. It could be like, you know, I'm going to put 40 hours in this. And at the end, I'm going to say, you know, I, this was a piece of junk. I really, I wasted all that time. Right. I, you're right. I need to probably have a little more faith and at least give it a shot and, and, and try. You know, you never know until you try on stuff like that. So that's a good, that's a good point. But for me, though, I find for whatever reason, I find that for some things like this, I find it enjoyable. Yeah, but 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 see, here's the corollary, you know. But that's time I'm not doing other things too. <laughs> Always, right? I know. Yeah, I know. I know. It's a. It's a. I always think of it uh, when I'm explaining my creative process to people. Is I got five dots, and I got ten squares, and every day I can put a dot on a square, and whatever those dots are on, that's what I can get done today. You know, uh, but there's five left. Yes, there's five left. <laughs> so I got to pick which five I'm doing because I, I can't do it all. And so. But you yeah, also put more more than one dot in each box. You sure can. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and frequently do. You know, yeah, absolutely. There are days when I got five dots in one box and, you know, I don't remember to eat. Yeah. <laughs> so or for me, it's problem. like, why, why am I doom scrolling on Facebook? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> why did I put two dots into this? I should have put like one dot into this. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, I have to sometimes just say, just stop. You're wasting time. But I think the thing is I've found for myself is I've kind of given into, that's going to sound weird, but I, I find it, I find it's better for my myself if I just give into Sometimes irrational. Hmm. It's like, okay, for whatever reason, I, I feel better by doing this. It makes no sense. I, but <laughs> it's like, but yeah. anyhow, I I it do, up as, it's mental health day stuff for me. Totally. <laughs> so the other thing is uh, what I've also done is I'm also planning. This is weird. And uh, somebody told me this is the most hyped up. Where I put it. So I'm planning a game for 2023. Right. Of running a game. And so I got people's at least I got at least one person signed up. I think I got a couple of people halfway signed up. But it's room for it's a it's a year away. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying I'm I'm not I want you to sign up. I want you to pinky swear you'll you'll run you'll play in this game. Wow. But I'm not going to do this till 2023. <laughs> so the, the game's RuneQuest. Ah, okay. You will get some people that, that will sign up for that. Yeah. Well, th as far as people that I know, not a lot. Uh, 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 DM Wilson, Dan Wilson from uh, Planner Compass. He's 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 on on board. Yeah. A couple other acquaintances. So there was. Um, so two other people that I know kind of signed up. I don't know if they're really serious or not. 
There's another person on, so the Foundry has a Discord, and it has people looking for games, people uh, looking for players for free, and people looking for uh, players, their GMs who are wanting paid. I enjoy scrolling through that. I enjoy scrolling through that because it, it just, I like to see what's out there, who's charging, who's not charging, what kind of games are people playing, what kind of games are people looking for. So we're at a rest stop, and I'm just waiting for my wife because it was cold and I didn't want to go back in the car because I've been on vacation. I just spent seven hours in the car and I just did not want to get in there before I had to, but it's cold. I didn't want to do outside. And so she came out and then when I got sat in the car, I realized I had messaged a person on discord. I did not intend to. So, and it was a gal and all of a sudden I didn't say anything, but it went ahead and did it. And I'm like, I feel very awkward. <laughs> so, like, I so I said sorry. I did not mean this is an accident. You know, I don't necessarily have any gains. But anyway, <clears throat> she, she was friendly enough, but she she might be signed up. But that was just the weirdest situation. I just felt like <laughs> it's like accidentally ringing somebody's doorbell and they answer the door. You're like, oh wait a minute. <laughs> I was just trying to tie my shoe. I was just tying my <laughs> shoe here. <laughs> wow. All right. You know, actually, RuneQuest appeals to me. I'd be interested in playing. Well, um, then I'll send you a uh, then I'll send you a invite to the Discord. Yeah. And cool. um, and we'll be playing on Foundry. So the reason I was also waiting is I want to see if they're going to put it on Foundry themselves. Gotcha. Because otherwise, it's a tremendous amount of effort. To get yeah. that data put in, yeah. So, have you, have you, what experience have you read RuneQuest at all? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm real familiar with uh, the um, Chaos Game stuff. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 uh it's definitely um, you know, part of the issue is, and I'm I'm kind of afraid too is there it is it, it's people are intimidated because of like going through um, uh, Forgotten Realms. Because mm-hmm. of the lore. Yeah. They got nothing on RuneQuest. Right. <laughs> it's like, right. And it could be a, a bit intimidating, but people don't have to know all that stuff. No, no. You just tell me where we're starting. I need, I need to know <laughs> from five years ago. That's what I need. I need to know where I am in the world right now. Yeah. All the rest of it we can figure out in game. I can read at my leisure, you know. Yeah, I do find the mythology it it is it is incredibly dense. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, uh, they they put a lot of time in on it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, well that's and that's just uh, I think that's one of the hallmarks of all of the Chaosium games. You know, uh, Call of Cthulhu, Stormbringer, uh, the why am I blanking on the King Arthur game? Uh, uh, it's Pendragon, but uh, Pendragon. but Jeff. Yeah. So I interviewed. So it'll be it'll be if you listen to my podcast when it's released, it'll be in the future. If everybody listening, it'll be in the past. But I I interviewed Jeff Richard, who who uh, who's creative director at Chaosium. Oh, cool. And I I blank for a reason. What did I blank for? I, blank. I mentioned uh, the the games. I mentioned Pendragon. Uh, oh, he pronounces it. I thought he pronounced it Pendragon. What? He spent time in Germany. 
Uh, I think he's probably legit. I think he pronounced it Pendragon. Pendragon? I believe so. <laughs> Mind blown. I don't think I can do that. I'm, you know, like, I don't care if it's right. I don't think I can do that. Uh, I'm just too Texan. You know, <laughs> we hit that second syllable and we stay on it for a while for a reason. You know, it's it, in three syllable words. It gets long. It gets lonely in the middle. You need to take a break sometimes. So pen dragon is where I'm going to stick. Bless yeah, it's uh, yeah, I was kind of I didn't really say anything, but I was like, wow, I. I never would have guessed, but now I have to do some research. But uh, anyway, I'm, I'm assuming, I mean, he is from, uh, I think even people pronounce Chiasium different. It's, uh, I think the Brits pronounce it different even than that. I spent time in the Bay Area and met those guys uh, when I was working at Chessex in the 90s. And I'm going to go with how they pronounce it, which is Chiasium. It was Chiasium. <laughs> Yeah. I've yeah. heard it pronounced differently, but I can't remember, but it may have been the Brits. It may not if, have been. If it's somebody <laughs> British and that's fine, we're just going to chalk this up as an aluminum aluminum thing <laughs> and move on. Cause I like the British too much to, yeah. to get into a pissing contest. Over well, time. I think we know that there's there. I think uh, we agree that they may be intellectually and culturally superior, but it doesn't mean that we have to follow that. that that's exactly right. There you go. <laughs> There you go. I will happily be wrong at the top of my lungs. <laughs> yeah, and there's just things. It's like you're too old. It's just like it's just the brain's calcified. The the neural pathways are already burned in. There's no making new neural pathways. That's that's no. long sailed. No, it's like it's like uh, it's like copper tubing in there. There's not there's no changes. There's no you know I if you if you if you bend it, it's just gonna ring and yeah exactly. Up. It's not gonna it's not gonna make a new pathway. Yeah, and so I'm I'm really pretty stoked about that. So I'll sign you up for uh, for uh, Chaosium's. Uh, yeah, that'd be uh, great. I'd love to. Yeah, that'd be fun to play. And we haven't played in the game yet, so that'd be no, cool. no. I'm also, I assure you, I'm a delight. Okay, well then I'll I'll throw this other offer because I'm I'm curating it to a small number. Oh, uh, through Old Tan's door. Oh. Uh, I'm thinking that? that first quarter 2022. So we'll see. That I may have to say no to that simply because I've got a bunch of health stuff going on the first quarter of 2022. I'm hoping to get surgery. That sounds, you know, there's nothing like looking forward to surgery. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to cut me open. (laughs) Oh, it's a dream come true. He's going to stitch me back together like Frankenstein. I'm so excited. Guys. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. So what I've been doing is I've been, so what I've done was I've been wanting to do a, um, so obviously we're, you know, I'm, I'm, well, not obviously because I don't think anybody else knows about this, but, you know, uh, we got this idea for, for, for a future projects involving goblins. And I was wanting to do a kind of hex crawl and I thought, well, you know, maybe I better like read some hex scrolls before I start writing. Right. <laughs> and so I grabbed, um, I talked about Ben, uh, the same thing, the, the, uh, evils of Ilmire and then, yeah. um, and then the silver, um, or the tower of the silver ax. Right. But, but I realized 
it's just taking too much time to run. And I'm like, well, why don't I just do bends? It's it's pretty short. It's pretty concise. Right. And so what I've been doing is copying and pasting it, putting it in Foundry, adding macros, so that when it you know when you get to a point where it says you know, you know one in one or two on a d6, this will happen. I can just click a macro at that moment and it'll roll a d6. And oh wow! I, so that way when I'm actually running it, it can I can keep it flowing. Is my 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 hope. But also I'm learning how to format. <clears throat> so anyway, this is a step. So then when I do whatever I do next, it, it will will build on it. But anyway, but the through Altan's door is just a very nice, concise um, yeah. dungeon. Well, I don't say dungeon. But um I may try to see if I can put the heist generator on the boundary. Um it uses D20 tables, which might be a little data no. heavy. It, no, 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 not heavy at all. Okay, um, it's it's uh, it just takes a little bit of time, but no, you yeah. can generate uh, no, you can generate all sorts of stuff. You can have tables roll on subtables that roll on subtables. You can you could go crazy on this stuff, and it's not overly hard. Okay, it's it's just it, it's no, if it's not hard at all. Um, all right, that's very reassuring that sounds really kind of cool so what i'll do is i think sometime we'll we'll i'll just give you a little tour yeah ah i'd love it that'd be great thank you yeah so uh yeah so anyway uh i'm really looking forward to that um the only thing is i so i was talking to him uh previously on the previous week but you know it was like systems that are used i just we can dovetail into kickstarters here in a little bit and this will be a way of dovetailing but I picked up um, uh, Free League had a Black Friday sale, okay. And so I picked up a bunch of books because they had the virtual tabletops to go with it for Foundry. Oh, cool. Yeah. And so one of those I picked up was Vason. Are you familiar with Vason? I really, really want to uh, check that out, but the price is cost prohibitive for me. It would have been okay. I think you might have been able to swing it. But anyway, we'll talk about it later. But I think you could, it, Black Friday was just they're running really good deals. So, but yeah, so you're familiar with the, the premise of it? Yes. Love the idea. Yeah. I think it's really cool and unique and interesting. Yeah. And it, what it does is it's, it's sort of, it's, it's like they took the, the Call of Cthulhu and used the Free League mechanics to kind of do the similar type of thing. All right. So they do have fear, but you can be mentally broken. You can be physically broken. Oh, okay, cool. Interesting. Yeah. And, and, and it follows their pretty much their standard way of, have you, pl- you never played or probably played a free league game before? Have you? I don't think so. Mm-mm. Have you ever played, um, Rollmaster? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, they have critical charts. Oh yes. Deeply, intensely. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me, critical charts. Yes, I have seen chart master. Oh my God, yes. Yeah, so what they did is instead of, what they did is if you trigger a critical, you roll on a D66 table. Oh, so wow. it's not the crazy D100. Mm-hmm. And most of the things are, um, and it goes from being not lethal at all to very lethal. Yeah. Like maybe instantly lethal. Okay. And so every free league system, except for, I don't, I've not seen tales from the loop, but they pretty much have variations of that critical table and how they do it. So, yeah. But what's interesting is with this, because it's very set up in 
folktalesy right 19th century Sweden and you're kind of you're given sight so you're seeing creatures you really shouldn't be seeing you know yeah. you're you're exposed to this so what happens is it most of the time critical injuries are really bad things you don't want right but but actually the critical injuries if you get way close to dying critical injuries they don't kill you and you're able to survive it you come out with a benefit like you have something uh, you you have seen the other side. You have you reached witches the, side or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and it may last a little bit or could be permanent. Any of your deep, yeah, and uh, that's so a it's cool like, idea. Yeah, exactly. So, so if your your chest gets caved in and somebody's able to save you, you may you may wind up with some benefits for the, at least the rest of the session. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. And. Yeah. Uh, I wish they had more adventures for it. They don't really list a lot, so I don't know. It's but it's a very charming, very interesting, very creepy. Um, they really hit the folk tales like I think right. they originally were. Yeah, well, that was the thing. You know, I saw their most recent Kickstarter, and oh, yeah. I uh, I was so excited for that. I was like, oh my god, I got to check this out. And so I grabbed it, uh, sight unseen. And then with like two days to go. I was scrolling back through that and I was like, you know what? I don't know what the rate of exchange is. And, uh, so, and, and mind you, what I, what I got was one physical copy of each of the books. And then I think there was a screen involved because, you know, I don't need the other stuff and I got dice out the wazoo. I don't need any of that. Just give me the books. And, and, and if you're going to put a screen in there, fine, I'll take the screen too. Um, and so, uh, I did the conversion online and found that I was going to be out $189 for three books and a chart and a chart. And at that point I, and I, and I granted there's probably shipping included in there and I just couldn't do it. I was like, yeah, there's no, you know, I'm not going to, I can't, I won't. I, 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 the, the look beautiful. The artwork is gorgeous. Uh, and I've heard tell that the books are sumptuous. Um, but this is this is a spine I'm going to crack open, uh, and 189 bucks for three books is is just over too much. I, I can't do it. Well, just wait for Black Friday next year. Yeah, I'll keep an eye out. You know, and maybe you know, hopefully somebody uh, in the states will get copies uh, that don't involve you know having to send something by you know news gathering ravens. Uh, I don't know how they do stuff in Scandinavia, but, you know, uh, I, I'm sure it's a boat ride. And right now, the last thing I want to do is put anything on a boat. So, yeah, they definitely had. Uh, yeah, it they did OK with Twilight 2000, but it got delayed quite a bit. Right. And uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely uh, what's interesting to me is the. They kind of the premise is your investigators. Mm-hmm. The previous investigators disappeared and that you're kind of tied to a town. You have a mansion, a, a castle that you develop. Right. Yeah. But all the, the, uh, and I forget what they're called. Um, maybe they're called Vason. I can't remember. They are maybe good, maybe bad, but it's the idea is that people forgot about them. And as people are becoming more industrial and right. haven't been, treating them right 
They've also been encroaching on their habitats. Right. And in they're it's like kind of like poisoning them in a way. So mm-hmm. a lot of the vason, they're not necessarily bad. They're not necessarily good. And how you decide to deal with them is really up to is really up to the players. Yeah. 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 I love I love that idea anyways. It's a fantasy conceit, the idea that, you know, as we as we uh turned from magic, magic turned away from us as well. And uh some people went quietly and then others, you know, did not. And I, I just I think that's a wonderful idea for fiction and games to explore. And so uh yeah, I look forward to cracking into it one day. One day. When I when I have enough, you know, Swedish gold to uh to afford their uh sumptuous books. Yeah, the it is is they are definitely beautiful. And the the thing is their their systems are also well thought out too. Right. Um so but the so I mean and their Kickstarter for that I don't know what it hit. I think it probably hit over a million. Did it? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I'm sure it did. Yeah, because uh <laughs> It, did, it went over a million because of the exchange rate for no other reason. I mean, th- and it's not the first one either. There have been a ton. I've, I, I know of at least six, and I think there may be more, that have, that have hit, a, hit a million bucks um, uh, this year. Uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. I, there, I, I don't want to say there's gold in them, Bar Hills, but I, you know, I, I wonder aloud if there is an upper limit to this because. Um, there doesn't seem to be, uh, uh, any kind of stoppage of games anytime soon. You know, uh, I think it's, I think it's neat that it's all unique. Uh, one of the ones that made over a million bucks was a game set completely in a native American slash first person, uh, milieu. Uh, I forget what the name of it was. Uh, but, uh, it was all steeped in those traditions and those magic systems. And it sort of presupposed uh, a world where the, the white men uh, never got a toehold, you know, and, uh, and it sounded great. And of course they were using, you know, indigenous creators and, and, and uh, native uh, creators and speakers and readers for, for all of it. And it, it looks, it looks fantastic, you know, uh, and the only reason I didn't get one is because I, it was a, you know, a cash flow situation like always, but clearly I was the only one cause it, it made, you know, well over, uh, um, seven figures. Uh, so yeah, man, I don't know. I mean, this is, uh, it, this is, this is the time. If you have a high end uh, component that you want to put out, here you go. Yeah, I think Free League, they're pretty consistent. Whatever they're whatever they put out is going to generate a a large amount. And they, they always put out good product. Um Monty Cook's another one that constantly uses uh yeah. Kickstarter and he always does well. A guy that probably doesn't need to use it at this point, but you know, whatever. I mean, yeah, his all of his stuff and all of his stuff is high end as well, you know. I mean, uh this stuff is not, you know, I'm, I'm always excited when somebody is putting out a hardcover that's only 50 bucks. I'm like, Oh, thank God. <laughs> oh, whew, 50 bucks. Yeah. I don't have to sell a kidney or give blood, you know? 
Yeah, I, I hear you, brother. <laughs> it's like, and, it, and that's, you know, that's it's kind of interesting. Um, uh, is, you know, going to zines. It, so, like, so I bought uh, the most recent edition of, of RuneQuest yeah. in um, when I was at Game Hole Con. So, basically, RuneQuest, I think, was originally maybe tied in with Glorantha. Then they split the two off and, and I- do the various, and then all of a sudden they, once it came came back to Chaosium, they're like, we're we're gonna we're gonna put the two together. They're inseparable. Yeah. This is not a generic system. Right. But I'm, I'm flipping through. It's like the art, and I'm thinking I'm trying to sell a scene for eighteen dollars, and I hold up against this hardback book. It's like wow. It's it, it it's. That's I don't think RPG is going to do a bust. I wonder if zines will. Maybe not. I, you know, I don't think so, because what I have noticed almost uniformly with the zines that I've backed and 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 the zines that I see that, that continue to do well, that's people pushing a format that's something different or they've got an idea that they want to explore and it's not it's a, it's a great idea but it's not a 256 page hardcover right. idea um the guy that the, the every time i start thinking about this the, the the one that comes to mind is that guy that put out uh rain on a conga drum uh it was a collection of uh solo games uh based on the lyrics of towns van zandt now I love Townsman. Uh, I'm a Texan. It's part of our starter kit, you know. Yeah. Uh, here's your Willie Nelson CD. Welcome, you know that kind of thing. So, um, but but I was fascinated with that idea, you know, and, and thought it was just brilliant. The Poncho and Lefty game alone is absolutely worth the cost of admission. Um, but that's a game that you he gives it to you in six pages, and it's the full game. You don't need anything more than that so i think they do serve a purpose in being that that concept delivery that idea delivery system uh that is unique and and i think that the as long as people keep telling those really interesting games and doing it in their voice and kind of their style i don't know that the stuff that i've done has has been like revelatory in any way but it absolutely came from my brain. And you, when you read it, you can tell. You know, you can absolutely right. see and go, yeah, oh, that's something Finn did, all right. Yeah. So I think that's where the the magic lies for for Zine. And it does. Know. But I think some people have like looked at books as being, I don't know if it's price per word. You know, they kind of compare your the value, but you know, and that's where in some ways I kind of look and think, ooh. You know, but but you're right. The thing is, is it's the other thing is, you know, to go to hardback and to go to the word counts that they're doing is cost prohibitive unless you can outlay some serious, serious cash. Yeah. Or find a way to cleverly work around, you know, those kinds of strictures, you know, because, um, you know, sometimes a. Uh, uh, you may have a, a, you may not need the equivalent of video game concept art 
for your scenario, you know, for your stories. Uh, I think that, you know, uh, Wizards of the Coast slash Hasbro sort of had the advantage of having enough money to throw at things. They could, you know, give you that sort of rich layered thing. And, and, and when you're competing with, when you, when you think about the cost of the player's handbook versus the cost of the latest uh, Xbox game, you you know there is certainly an equivalency right. more or less and so um you you have to at least be able for somebody to look through the player's handbook and, and go oh wow this is cool this is like a making of game book for uh one of my favorite video games you know and and even i'm not silly but but you know yeah you're they're, they're sort of on the hook for that so i think that there is certainly an onus and and Vason is another one. And Vason, the art alone will sell Vason. There were people who will buy that game just to look at the picture. But um, you know, you still have to have a good game at the end of the day. And there is a point, I think, at which people stop um just like comic collectors, uh, very few people will buy every Batman book. Uh but bet. And even Batman collectors won't always buy every Batman book. They'll buy the three Batman books they can afford. They're three favorite Batman books. And so you have to decide, you know, where to put those resources. Are you going to do a good game that people can sink their teeth into that they can come back to? Or do you want to do something very pretty and also very empty? I do not want to throw Shadowrun under the bus here. However... Let me start it up. Vroom, 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 vroom. I just feel like that was a cat grab from the get go. I just, I've never liked Shadowrun ever. I, I, I took one look at it and went, there's no way that I want to play this game uh, with anyone, anywhere, anytime for any reason. And then, but then you'd look through the game and there'd be like this great artwork and this really cool concept stuff. And there's like a troll and he's got a particle cannon on his shoulder and, and he's got a thumbs up and you're like, oh, that looks really cool. Shadowrun. <laughs> I'm not going to roll 2d6. I just can't do it. You can't make me. So, yeah, I get, uh, you know, I, I understand. Uh, you know, I just wonder, and this is the other thing. Everybody in gaming right now, there's, there, there's certainly a lot of, like, guys our age. But I would say the average gamer these days is probably 24 years old. You know, maybe uh, if you factor everybody in, I think gaming has gotten younger uh, and I think it significantly it got significantly younger at, in 2014. I think the I think the average age went from 36 to 22 at, you know, in 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 the matter of two quarters. Um, and, I, and I don't think it's appreciably uh, gone up very much since then. I mean. I'm talking on them, but I don't really know what the numbers are, but I'd love to see them. Cause well, I, that's, that's to me, that's really where it needs to be. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, out of my, not out of my, butt, no, no. Yeah. Under. You know, yeah. yeah it younger. needs to be out of your butt. Yes, exactly. Yes. No, that's where it needs to be. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, it should, it should be. And you're right. Uh, I think that's, that, that's a lot of what's driving the engine. That's, that's health. Yeah. Cause we yeah. were, we were at a point where, it was just us and it looked like it was over. Right. You, you know, it's just like in, you know, you think of all these young people that are coming through, like what crazy stuff are they going to come up with? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It'll be uh, like, totally. 
and it will be yeah i just think it's it, it, it's it's pretty astounding but yeah yeah and i think right so i don't right so i think that's our answer i think yeah because there's a i think there's two things going on i think when we so we grew up there really wasn't much in the, in the, as far as really good gaming with computers right and then i think what world of warcraft hit or not world of warcraft uh i never played those games what's the mmo quest was it everquest was the first one yeah what was the other one that the big one wow world of warcraft yeah world, world of warcraft uh-huh. oh yeah yeah then like everybody was playing that and then it was just like it just seemed like at that time period it looked like gaming was gonna die yep but i think it's because people didn't have computer games that were of that level of immersiveness and it was a novelty right, right. but now that you have people that grew up with it they're like well yeah, I can play all these things anytime I want, but they really enjoy the social aspect. That's right. That's exactly right. And, and, and it's kind of, I like that it's kind of gone full circle uh, that a lot of them have realized, oh, there's a lot of stuff you can do in Dungeons and Dragons that you can't do in Skyrim. Yeah. You know, even though you can do a lot in Skyrim, you can do more in Skyrim that you could, than you could ever do in EverQuest or World of Warcraft, but uh, you can do even more in D&D. Yeah, but you can only do what they program. That's right. Yeah. That, that yeah, that's exactly it. Uh that was why we I none of none of my people I know for years played those games, right? We poo-pooed them, you know. My, my game's 10 times better <laughs> yeah, exactly. than you know. I'm playing a game set in Lankmar. There's no Lankmar video game. What's wrong with these people? So uh but we're we're kind of through that looking glass a little bit. Uh I think they figured out that video games deliver a more cinematic experience. Oh, that's for sure. And, and you know, stuff like Red Dead Redemption and uh, uh, Fallout 4 and stuff like that. Have and you can play it any time, too. Right. Right. I, and I don't need... At this point, this was my thinking back in the day. At this point, the stories have gotten sophisticated that I don't need to find four other people if I want to go adventuring. I can just do that myself. So there's certainly an appeal to that, but, but yeah, they, you miss out on the social aspect. And I think that, I think the OSR, uh, was originally, uh, triage for what was going to be the death knell of tabletop role-playing games. You know, I think, I think they, you know, enough people ran in and started, uh, doing CPR on, you know, what was left of, uh, Dungeons and Dragons and its ilk. And uh, managed to keep things limping along for a while, uh, and 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 and, and, and uh, that sounds bad again. I don't mean it in a bad way. I think it's laudable, you know, that everybody sort of took ownership, you know, of of the hobby at a time when nobody seemed to care. You know, the, I I think of them doing that during the time that World of Warcraft was right, all right. anybody could talk about. So. Uh, and, it, but, and it's to me interesting that to me the a lot of the new school games really are made with a sensibility, you know, that was old school. So yeah, you know, to me it's like there's a lot of ways. I think things some of the more modern systems are probably closer to BX than they than AD and D was to BX. <laughs> yes, yes, and uh, and and I I also think that. With the exposure to more media, uh, not just uh, movies, but TV and books as well, 
and and having that media be more complicated that you know it, it's it's becoming more of a you know like dungeon crawls are deadly again and it's okay if the character dies you know yeah. what i mean uh you know cuz paper's cheap and so is my imagination so i, I you know I don't, I'm not invested in this the way I used to be. And I, and I see, I think that's actually kind of healthy. I think it's okay to play a game where your character can bite it, you know, halfway through. And then you just sort of watch everybody else and kind of cat call them as they fall into pits of doom. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, uh, I remember, you know, back in the day, that was anathema. You know, we, we, we would never dream of, you know, doing that, you know, deliberately, you know, or whatever. But, but, um, I feel like some of that sensibility is back. I think you're right. Yeah. The uh, I was at Gamehole Con. Uh, I think it was a few years ago, and it was a it was a, it was a forget the system, but it was a D and D style game. But it was being ran by a 13 year old boy. Oh my goodness! It was so Don't amazing. Say. It was so amazing. It was so amazing. I I'll tell you what. It was one of the it was a lot of joy. It was a lot of joy because he was yeah. just a, I mean, he was a hard, he was a hard DM and, you know, but, but the stuff he would do, it's like, Oh, there's a hole in this, in this wall. Do you stick your hand at it? Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> there's a such a such. Do you stick your arm in it? No. Oh, that's but, awesome. But my character died and I never had this happen. So my character died. He walked over to where I was sitting took a pencil and put a big X across my character to demonstrate he was dead. <laughs> and I think that's what probably some of the old school people do, but they just walk with X. And uh, I tell you what, that was so fun just to see him do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad that they found a way to channel a sociopath you know apart from like you know killing animals that's oh awesome. yeah yeah good for, good for their oh, parents you know no, man, that, kid was, that kid was fun <laughs> i mean i think it was fun was i i mean we talk about how bad games were you know if you go back objectively every game we probably ever ran in high school was objectively bad i would not presume to debate you on that yeah <laughs> but boy were they fun oh totally yeah yeah, yeah, I like some. You know, I you know we all think our group was was you know better than they really were, but uh, I I think I think we had the, the virtue of being able to make hay with some with some you know where the, when the sun shone. You know, uh, there's a lot of stories and adventures I don't remember, but the ones I do remember are the ones that we all kind of look at and go, yeah, that was really cool. <laughs> you know, but but yeah, I think so much of it is. I, I I'm not I'm always not a fan of uh of war stories, you know, uh D war stories because not everybody's a good storyteller. And also some of the best stories that happen in game are the equivalent of a 30 minute long shaggy dog story inside joke, yeah. you know. And uh you know, and there's always a point at which they go, oh, what I didn't tell you is, is that he's also a werewolf. And so that's why and you go, oh, wow, I should have known that at the beginning. But all right, whatever. Um, so, yeah, I uh, 
I love those experiences. That's the stuff that a video game can't give, you know, uh, your reaction to that in a room by yourself, you know, with a bag of crumpled Cheetos at your feet um, is great. And you can get online and go, hey, something cool just happened in Red Dead Redemption 2. And everybody will go, was it this? Right. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Damn. Sucks. All right. Yeah, fine, whatever. So um, I think I think we're I'm, I'm glad I, it, to me. These are all signs that the, that the hobby's healthy and that the industry can continue for as long as it keeps making, you know, relatively smart uh, choices. Uh, and I'll let that be a very broad topic under which we could place a lot of things because. Yeah, you know. I think right now the only way it, it seems to me that unless you're a really big name, about the only way to actually have a business anymore is through Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah. Because it it's the marketing. Yep. I don't want to say distribution, but it definitely is. You know, I think of even larger companies. I mean, they they would not do as well without kickstarter but all of us smaller people there is no way we could get enough zines sold to make it worthwhile to pay for art to pay for right. this and that and this and that and this and that have it, it for just for the virtue of having it be a nationally available space right uh i mean when i used to do zines back in the old day if i was going to a really big show i'd make 20 copies you know Right. And now I have to look at a printer because I've got, you know, 125 zines to send out. And then I have to decide how many more am I going to need for the rest of the year? And what do I want to put back for, for shows and stuff like that? And, you know, if I had told my younger self, you know, about needing to make 250 copies of Gobsmack, he would have looked at me like I was, you know, daddy warbucks like how are you even doing that and and now that and 250 copies of a zine is nothing in today's market frankly yeah that's the that's that's bottom tier kind of stuff so uh yeah it's a a, kickstarter is a is a powerful force i'm probably even i'm i'm on the fence about whether or not to do one of the marketing groups that uses uh kickstarter as their play space uh what, what do you mean uh backer kit oh has, yeah, yeah has a has a has a suite of things that they that they can offer you um because i think that my game will be very appealing to people outside the reach of what i'm capable of doing i think i think everybody within my reach will will yeah. see it and go i see it but i think more people would need to see it you to, need to, to talk really- to i think especially if you're trying to play in the five E space. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a guy named Zach Goins. Uh, yes. Z-A-Z. I know Zach. You yeah. Need to, you need to probably, cause I think they, if I recall correctly, I think they, he's, I can't remember if he did backer kit or not, but I think, I think I'm going to make some assumptions. I'm wondering if some of the advertising you might do. I don't know. The five E space is a hard space. It is. I don't, I, I'm not trying to talk you out of it, but man, no, I no. don't know. At this where my calculation is right now is, of course, they take a chunk, right? 
Um, and I think maybe I run the very large risk of that chunk being a, a break-even thing rather than a make extra money thing. I might make enough money on it to merit the larger print run, but not be a thing that I can capitalize yeah, on. Yeah, and I think that's what I'm going to do. Because, I mean, that's just it. Even with, with the Madlands, I basically wound up with uh, with copies. So I so right. at the end, it worked out fine. I'm not, I'm not all clean, but it's like I wound up with like 31 copies, which if I sell them, I do okay. And but I thought, you know, if I'm going to be in this for a while, it's not a big deal to have it. I can just make my money later. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and I think the idea is I think it comes down to what you're wanting. But if I'm not doing. If I'm not going to be, I don't know that I could sell. Maybe I could without Kickstarter, without having other projects and doing it as add ons. Mm-hmm. I don't know how easy it would be to sell 31 extra copies. Yeah. And of course, you know, I'm looking at the uh, park it online model as well. So the initial print run, I, I can I can print that very close because I don't have to worry about uh, enough overage to cover the next thing. What I really the whole reason for doing that would be so that I have more people I can talk to when the second book comes out for Polite Society. I'm trying to seed the ground for the next thing. Oh, no, that's definitely legit. But I still yeah. think, though, if, if you have even, even if you were to say, I'm going to do a second thing, and I know that when I do a second thing, there's a good chance that there's going to be people who bought the first thing that, that didn't buy the first thing. They're going to want both. And that's, this right. is even going with Madlands. I'm kind of, we've not discussed this yet, but I'm kind of conflicted. So, I mean, we got. <laughs> We're rambling. That's okay. It's um, I'm conflicted because we called issue one issue one. Mm-hmm. Then we're called issue two. So if people didn't buy issue one, I mean, I will have some issue ones I can sell. But I I don't know what that point of is like. Is there a point where if you start naming things and having things sequential, if people feel like they won't buy because Let's say we come up to like Zinqua or Madlands three issue three. Yeah. Is that going to put people off thinking, well, I can't buy the first one without buying the other two. That's a good point. Um, I can't answer that because I planned for that by making uh, POD options for all of my zines on drive through. So did you actually, so you, you upload the files and you got them set for POD. So I was going to do that with scoundrels, but I, 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 I just <laughs> drive throughs not mix them. It's not easy. And I started like freaking out and I was like, I don't know if I want to deal with this. Yeah. I can tell you that I have had people buy it both ways. Um, uh, probably cool. two to one, uh, POD versus, uh, or, or two to two to one print on demand or, um, um, PDF versus print on demand, but um, there are people that want to hold a copy in their hands physically. And while it's not, it's not the same zine as the Mixum zines. I'm again, okay with that as well, because um, 
I can look at a glance and know where stuff came from, right? So, you know, I can't, there's no chance of getting anything confused. So, so with Monty Hall, I only funded the first two zines, but I thought I made enough money that I can go ahead and do three and four and put them out as PDF files and also make them available as print-on-demand files. So for the people who backed, get all of the issues, I can send them PDFs of everything. And then uh, anybody else that wants to get issues three and issues four, they just go through drive through RPG. I generate a coupon, they print out, they sell it for the difference and yeah. print a copy. And, you know, and so that was the way, uh, I think that's the way going forward to do it. Uh, and so I'm kind of, you know, I'm designing Flight Society with that notion in mind, you know, uh, no matter how I end up printing and producing the first book, there will be a soft cover option on drive through RPG and anybody that wants it can go get it right there. That may, you know, in, for the future, you know, who knows where I'm going to end up and how things are going to be, but I can park all of that stuff there and, and, uh, that they do good books. They right. are, you know, if you decide you want to get 10 of them printed, it's not a bad price for you just to, to do it and resell. No, no, absolutely. You can. And that's the other thing is, is they charge me what it costs, uh, for them, which is great. So I haven't, uh, I wish I had been keeping track of Mixum prices over the period of the last year. Cause I'm sure they're, they've got to be increasing because I'm looking at margins of break even margins and they seem yeah. awfully. So like, for, for instance, Fane of the Fly God, I'm thinking I'm going to have to sell. I'm going to sell. Uh, I'm going to have to fund at $4,000 to break even. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, that's the, yeah. that That's the game right now. Thankfully. I don't, I don't think I'll lose. I won't lose much money because a lot of that cost is going to be the printing for each issue. Right. Mm-hmm. Have you looked at now? Here's a here's another thought. You know, I did this. Um, I did this for the international stuff, and it worked pretty well. Um, you can you can upload your print on demand file at Drive Through RPG. You can see how much that's going to cost, right? Uh, and you can look at what you want to charge for it and all that kind of stuff. Let's let's pretend that your trade paperback costs three dollars and sixteen cents to, to produce, and you're going to sell it for um, fifteen bucks. So you could kickstart it with the idea, and you basically tell them, you know. Here's the print-on-demand version. You call it that. It's not offset printing. It's the print-on-demand version. What they're going to do is they're going to their pledge is going to is going to be an at-cost coupon. Yeah. And then they just pay the difference. So, you know, you you know three sixteen. You can call it three fifty or four. I think I don't know that you can do a a percentage a a cent on Kickstarter. Maybe you can. Maybe you can. But you could charge four bucks for that. And then they're still on the hook for the difference. So what they're paying for initially is the, is the production cost. 
they pay the difference, they pay the shipping, and they get a physical copy. Uh, I've done it a few times. I like it. Uh, it works just great, and you get a book. And, and best of all, you're not out printing costs on any of it. Right. Right. All, all, the, all the fulfillment, everything is done by them, not by you. You do, you do run the risk uh, of you lose some quality. You know, you but, lose. But they know that anybody that's doing the yeah. on demand, they know that it's not. And I, I think that's legit because you know I think drive-throughs got printers in Australia. They got it in Europe. Right. They've got it. So it's that was the thing. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the international uh, printers uh, covered all that, and I only had a couple of people for both of my ZineQuest projects do it. But it was so much nicer to to do that. You know, it was just. It was just so much easier to, you know, digitally do it. Yeah, I think I just need to. I, I figured I'd need a weekend to figure it out because um, I think you have to do your cover separately. But I'm thinking even with, see, I need to do it with Mixum. I I should be doing my covers as a separate file anyway. Right. Just to ensure I, I've had things match up fine, but really it they should be doing it separately. That's one thing you have to do with drive through. Yes. It has to be separate. Yep. So, yeah, it's, I think, yeah, when we, I don't know. I just so dreading that. <laughs> oh, I just back to that learn, Back to that learning curve again, man. <laughs> you know, the whole new skill set. I took the weekend to, to do the drive-thru because my other option was, man, you could just do all these yourself, you know. No, I, I think that is the way, to, that's the key to international, really is. Going forward, certainly until all this nonsense blows over. Yeah. Well, I don't think shipping's ever going to really go. I don't think it's ever going to be reasonable. And also, I don't know even the volatility. It is. It is such. I, I think somebody actually said there was a. It wasn't. It's the uh, not Kickstarter game. It's a. It's a game. It's Kickstarter for games, but supposedly they calculate all the VAT and all the shipping. Yeah, there's a there's a couple of those guys starting up now that are doing, you know, that. There's there's a couple that do comic uh crowdfunding, game crowdfunding, you know, and uh um I I have not looked at the efficacy of any of that. I'm interested. I would I would be I could be uh talked into going somewhere other than Kickstarter, sure. You know? No, no doubt. Well, that might make sense too. I mean, the other thing I, I've thought about, it, it creates its own set of problems too. I thought about, you know, you could do a Kickstarter for the same product, but do it in, um, but do it in England. Right. And then right. just have it, you know, work out that way. The only, the problem is obviously is you have, you have to have somebody else doing the distribution or the, the mailing. Yeah. But also, for England to mail it out to Europe is a mess. Every country is different and not consistent. Even because people can wind up with surprises. So we're pretty fortunate, even though I, there's a lot of bad things about America. You don't like, you don't order a book from overseas. You pay $30 in shipping and gets here. And somebody says, by the way, yo, another $20 in taxes. <laughs> like, right. Right. But, but yeah. they do that in some of those countries. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, that's rough. It is. <laughs> Sucks. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm hoping that that ends up, you know, straightening out. But yeah, you're right. It probably won't. It probably won't ever. So, 
but my, I, I think the majority of my audience is going to be the vast majority of my audience is going to be American. So I kind of, uh, you know, no disrespect to my friends in Ireland and Scotland and England and France and Japan and everywhere else, but, uh, I'm going to kind of cross that bridge when I come to it, you know, to be honest. Yeah. Cause what the hard part is, it won't necessarily sink you, but you kind of need a certain threshold of people from right the United Kingdom to make it worthwhile. That's exactly and that's right. what's scary about these spreadsheets. You know, it's like you got to set it up. But you don't. It's how your mixes are and how you price things. It's it's yeah. like it's you know I'm I've I feel pretty comfortable now that I've, the spreadsheet I've got being able to calculate a lot of things, but to try, try the complexity of Europe. I don't know that I want to deal with that, but I think the, I think the POD is the way to go. But anyway, I think we're probably hitting the time space continuum here, Mark. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm pretty sure I just heard Santa slay fly over. <laughs> yes. I, I think I do too. Oh my goodness. Oh, <laughs> that guy gets around, man. He's everywhere. Yeah, he, he does. He does. So anyway, thanks for joining me. My pleasure as always. And until next time, Mark, take care. Back at you, brother.